You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Actually, I'll be really totally, completely, not that I've been lying, but I will be honest with you. Um, the Lord has just done this with this, the message. is So I'm not 100% sure. Sometimes he does, he likes to keep me on my toes, which is quite fun. Um, slightly terrifying, but quite fun because he does that. So I'm not quite sure where we're going. And I feel like, though, that you're a room that I can just have permission to just kind of feel my way as we go. Is that okay? I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Because sometimes, you know, you just want to be like this, especially for people who like teaching. You know, I'm like, ah, I'm trying to teach, but the prophetic doesn't. It just kind of follows the clouds. And so I'm learning to just, you know, let people know that's what we're going to do. And then we're just going to follow the clouds and we're just going to see how it goes. And he's going to put in whatever he needs to put in. I think you need a bigger venue next year. Yeah. Yeah, this is just too cramped, you know, poor women up there, don't faint, you know, keep, keep doing that, keep doing that, right? Definitely needed, let me just prophesy a bigger venue, that's not really prophetic, but bigger venue next year, expand this. You know, you guys have something, there's, there's a warrior something in here, there's some something down in you that I'm not sure you fully realize is fully there. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, some of you do, some of you don't, but there's a, what I feel like is I see a cutting edge. I just see an edge of a knife. There's like a cutting edge here in this in this room, in this group, in this, I don't know if it's the area, I'm not quite sure what. If it resonates with you, say that's mine and just take it as a word for you, right? But I just see this this edge. There's a cutting edge. You know, and in fact, I just, as I'm talking, I can just see a knife just slicing through cake. It slices through cake quite easily. And I feel like there's just, you know, that's what you carry. You carry something you can just slice. You know, it says in, is it Hebrews 4 where the word just divides? Soul and spirit, it just goes right, is it Hebrew 4, Hebrew 6, what are those, somewhere in there? It just divides, it just slides right in and divides. And I feel like that's what we've been doing today, is there's just been a sliding in, a dividing out of some lies, and the Lord's saying, right, I'm just going to bring you right back to center again. That's part of what's happening, that's what God's doing. And then once we leave here, it's our responsibility to stay here. I didn't even realize that looks like a page of a book, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, it's our responsibility to stay in this place and not slide. That's why Women's Days and things like this are so good. It just brings us right back to center. Stuff we know, you know, I think it's Joyce Meyer that said, you don't need a new word, you need a now word. <laughs> okay, we don't always need something new. You know, I think sometimes God's like, well, do the last thing I told you and then I'll tell you something else. You know, I think he's been waiting a few thousand years for the bride to realize who she is. Mm. Because the bride does not know her identity. And if the bride does not know her identity, she's not going to walk in her responsibility and the fullness of her identity. Who wants a bride that's constantly saying, do I, do I look okay? Am I okay? Is this all right? Do you, do you still love me? Do you still love me? Do you still love me? Yes, we have moments of that, but not every day for 2,000 years. Do you still love me? Do you still love me? I think God's looking for a bride that says, I know that I know that I know I'm loved. Who do I feel totally safe in your presence? Totally loved. Totally covered. Totally surrounded. Completely uplifted and empowered. To 
walk with you and partner in what you're asking us to do. That's the church. You know, as, is it Donna? Is that right? As Donna was talking, I glanced over, it was your husband, wasn't it? That was on the guitar. Do I have you married to the right person? Okay, yeah. <laughs> because I, was, I glanced over at him as she was talking, and the love, and it was just like a, just, it was just a split thing, but just, I'm proud of that girl. There was just something. I don't even know them, so, but it was just something of, come on, yes, I'm proud of her. That's how God is with us. That's why I was so excited to write this last book about intimacy. I love it. And I, and I actually share this story in the book about when I first became a Christian. I was 19 when I became a Christian. It's a story before that. I won't go into that before it. But at 19, I became a Christian. And, and I'd had some abuse, not from my family, but I'd had some abuse in my background. And, you know, so I wasn't particularly love and guys and I'm like eh. you know so I'm like Jesus oh, who are you you know I remember somebody early on said oh are you very intimate with the Lord I'm like oh. you know and that's part of the whole journey that I went through but I remember it about well this was probably now about 2021 something like that I think it was that um, I was pushing into okay can I trust Jesus and what does that look like and I remember thinking to myself okay if I were newly married, because, yeah, I'm sure I was in my early 20s, I'm like, if I were newly married, you know, what would I want to do? And I'm like, oh, I imagine, like, my husband coming home from, you know, a full day at work. I thought, oh, I'd love to, like, have jazz music on and, and have the candles lit and make a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking skills aren't there yet. <laughs> well, they certainly weren't back then. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'd love to, and just talk about the day. So I thought, okay, I'm going to practice with Jesus. And so I put the lights down. I lit some candles, put them on my little table, and, and I did literally have the sandwich, I think. And I sat and I pulled a chair out and I sat there. I said, How was your day? <laughs> and I waited, didn't hear anything, so I said, Well, let me tell you about my day. <laughs> so I shared about my day and then I waited. I thought, well, maybe he needs some talking points. So I said, did you heal anybody today? Help with the crises anywhere in the world? You know. And again, I still heard nothing, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> and I felt really ridiculous, so I just ate my sandwich and read a book. You know. But something happened, and he became real. So real. Not up there anymore. That thing that I feel that I'm not even sure what that is that I'm feeling, oh, I, just, I just want that more. I didn't plan on saying any of this, so I'm believing this is the Lord. It wasn't long after that, maybe a year or something, I think, after that. I was There were a group of about 10 girls of us at university, and we all hung out together. And I was the oldest. I was a year ahead of everybody, because I was like a overseer of the group, basically, in housing. And uh, I was the oldest one. And over the years... I uh, now graduated, uh, and everybody had gotten married except another girl and I were the last two you know, hanging in there. And I remember the day I got the phone call. I'm engaged. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Will you be my bridesmaid? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just, I remember hanging up the phone and sobbing. I'm the oldest, and I'm the Thank God I didn't know I'd be 50 and still single. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done that night. 
So I'm like early 20s, and I just remember it was like 8 o'clock at night. It must have been summer because it was still light. And I just remember I put all the shades down, and I just went, I'm just crying and crying. And I just got into bed, and I just curled up. And I just, I remember, I can remember saying, Jesus, I need you to be my husband. And I physically felt, I had my eyes closed, I physically felt his arms draw me into his chest. And he spoke into my ear, and he said, Oh, Jed, I love your smile. I love your laugh. I love your joy. And I fell asleep listening to God's I love you. There's more. There's always more that we can press into. There's always more. We're the bride of Christ. Each one of us are part of that bride. And without you, something is missing. That's so beautiful and so important. And God wants this collective bride to know who she is. And that's why we need each other, to remind each other, just like Donna did, this is who you are. Imagine, imagine if we all totally, 100% got that and brought that into our next season. The enemy cannot stand up against truth. He cannot. He has been defeated. He's not being defeated. He has been defeated. It was done on a cross completely and totally. Jesus never needs to revisit it. Totally and completely defeated. The main tool he has are his lies. Speaking lies out there. And if we can reject what he's trying to give, he's going to run out of cards very soon. He has very few cards to use, very few tools that he can use. And when we don't believe them and we don't accept them, he's left with nothing. And we are the ones filled and empowered to walk out that truth. That's why it's so important to know who we are and to know how loved we are. If a husband wants a wife that's with him, it's a partnership together. Your relationship with him, there will never, ever, ever be, never has been, never will be your particular relationship with the Lord. That's quite an astounding thought. If every snowflake is different, don't tell me he's going to have the same relationship with people. Every single one. So push into it. Ask him, what's different, Lord, about me and you? What is it? You know, there's, let me just do this before I forget. There's something called Coffee with Jen that I'm doing. And it's uh, something I really felt the Lord put on my heart at the end of last year. 
And basically, it's one-on-one -on -one mentoring. I just thought, I just want to, Lord, how else can I help people? And it's one-on-one -on -one mentoring with me where you can, I've got three different streams, and one of them is called Deeper with God. That going deeper, that intimacy. You know, I was chatting with somebody recently, and she's in her, I think, her 60s, been a Christian, you know, older life, um, part of a particular de denomination, and she knew a lot about God. But it was amazing. She knew the Bible. She went to Bible school. She was a Bible teacher. And she said, God's revealing things that I've never seen before. Oh, that made my heart happy. One of the streams, how do you go deeper with him? There's another one called Faith and Freedom. And it's helping people move forward in this whole area of faith, getting free of something. And then the third one's called Healthy Strong. And that is all about that kingdom confidence. And those are the three main streams. And I have materials that I email, three sets of materials I email to you. There's three one-on-one -on -one times with me. If you can't get to Bath, we do it through like Skype, it's called Zoom, we do it through that. I've mentored people in Scotland and Denmark and America, and, you know, it's all over. So anybody can do it. But I want to give, I wanted to do something just for you ladies. If anybody's, there's more information on my website, which is jenbaker.co.uk. You just remember my name, <laughs> jenbaker.co.uk. But anybody that's here today, through the month of March, if you use the code ALIGHT and then the number 10, all capital letters, ALIGHT, 10, you'll automatically get 10% off of the package. And I'm trying again just to think of how can I help? What are ways that I can seed this out there? And while I'm doing this, let's just do this very quickly. Also, we've nearly sold out of all the books, <laughs> uh, but we have some of the devotionals. I didn't even mention those before, um, but I have devotionals. Each one are 12 weeks. It's a devotional slash journal. So it gives you a devotional, some questions, but then there's, or it gives you a devotional to think about in scripture, but then questions for you and the Lord to think through things, to answer, to work out in this particular season, what are you saying? This one's all about getting free from stuff, getting untangled. This was my first one. This was written years ago from fear. I'm not even sure what's in there. I think bitterness and anger and just stuff. Stuff gets in, doesn't it? Just, you know, stuff gets in there. You can be totally tight with God, but just little things can fall in. I just get free from that. Would that help anybody? Does anybody? Nobody wants my book. Lisa, go find somebody that wants the book. Okay. You're very British. I realize that. <laughs> That's part of the problem. That's why I give it to Lisa. I'm like, oh, I don't want to choose. And this one's called Unstoppable. This is about changing mindsets. This, I would say, is the meatiest of the three, the most recent. This was out last January. And this is about changing some six key negative things that go around in our mind. <laughs> Some six key positive things that we can switch and change. If somebody needs to work on your thinking, right? Find somebody to. Oh, lady in the red. Good girl. <laughs> Love that. So there's a few of those, there's a few of those left. But I wanted to put that out there because that, I feel like, again, it's building up the body. I want to build up the bride. Build up the bride for this next season that God's taken us into. Okay. Okay. So we talked about a new language of faith. Talked about, though I wasn't particularly clear in this, the way God was going, but a new approach, which is an upgrade. I feel he's upgrading us in responsibility, right? So I need to understand my identity to walk into my responsibility, but it has to be from a place of faith. Otherwise, we'll try to do it out of a place of works. Never works. No pun intended. Okay. Uh, this one, a new expectation. And this is all about inheritance. So going into this next season, that page is going to flip over. 
I need to speak from a new language. I need to see from a new approach. And I need to walk in with a new expectation. We need to raise our faith to the level of his power. Don't lower his power to the level of our experience. Raise your faith to the level of his power. And especially when you've gone through a difficult season, like I think most of us have over the last several years, it is very, 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 very difficult to believe again and to hope again and to raise that expectation again. But what if, because the enemy will be right there, it's going to happen like that last time. It's going to be the same as it's going to be the same as it's going to be. You know, there's some things coming around that maybe 10 or 20 years ago the Lord was stirring. And there's some experiences that maybe happened about 10 or 20 years ago. And I feel like for some people, you're going to come back. It's going to feel similar. Some people have had this. You're like, gosh, this feels similar. This kind of feels similar. It's not exactly similar, but it feels a bit like, gosh, I've been here before. Something feels similar about this, but it's going to be different. And I saw a picture of it. It's like we've gone around, but you've gone up. We've gone around, but we're up. We're at a different level in a different place. Don't fear this next season. You know, I one of the things I used to pray all the time was, Lord, I believe, help me out my unbelief. Because I felt quite spiritual, because I thought it was, you know, in the Bible, so it must be good. I'm like, oh, I believe, help my unbelief, I believe, help my unbelief, you know. And that's okay. But there was one day the Lord, it was like I could almost just kind of feel him sitting here like this. And he just said, um, Jen, yeah, maybe if you started believing more, you wouldn't struggle so much with unbelief. Oh. He's like, believe. There was nowhere to go with that. There was no place for an excuse. There was believe. Are you are you going to believe it? Because if you believe, you're not going to struggle with that. The enemy will tempt you with it, but you don't need to struggle with it. Big difference between the two. He'll tempt us with it, but I don't need to struggle with it. Because I choose to stay. I believe. I believe. Boy, someone needs to get that so deep in your spirit. You just declare it, say it, speak it. I believe. I believe. I believe. Yeah, but what if I don't? Your spirit. I'm speaking from my gut. I'm speaking from what's true. Down here, I do believe. And that's what he was saying. I do believe, but help my unbelief up here. Because that's often what happens. It comes in up here. No, this, we are spirit, soul. Gosh, I'm way off my notes. We are spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is the most real part of who we are. Created in the image of God. Your spirit's going to live forever. Amazing. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, where the enemy can just, you put things and you think things and you get all confused up here. And then this physical body that we've got for, you know, good 80, 120 years, something like that, that, you know, you walk around in. Going to get a new one of those, praise the Lord. Right? But the spirit is who we really are. I'm going to choose, that's what I believe. Unbelief will throw you over here. No, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. And the more you say that, the more you'll actually believe it. And the reason it's important and the reason you can keep saying it is because you know that it's true. I'm not saying something that's not true. It's true. Is it true or is not true? It's so true. Jesus took it all. He gave me all that he had. He took all that I had. That 
that is what I believe. See, when I see someone sleeping, I'm going to get loud, so you better keep your eyes open. That's what I believe. This is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. I don't care what my body says. I don't care what my government says. I don't care what my neighbor says. This is the truth. This is the word of God, and this is what I will stand on. This is what fights the enemy. This is what shuts him up. This is the thing he has no defense against. No defense against. It's done. He lost. He's just refusing to give up because we have not fully believed who we are as a bride of Christ. But when we wake up fully, get it, there's no stop in this church. There's no stop in it. I've read the end of the book. Come on. I want to be part of that. I want to be in the middle of all of that. And I want everybody beside me running that race together. Oh. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. 38 years passed from the time that we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the valley. By then, an entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to give them. So that was from the time they sent in the spies to the time that they ended up going into Hamathan, 38 years. One of the, the uh, stories in the Bible that God has been bringing up over and over and over and over and over again since about October is in John chapter 5. We're not going to turn there. We'll jot it down. It's about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And there were waters that would stir. And there's a crippled man that would sit there. And, and it says uh, in some translations that when those waters would stir, whoever got into that water first got healed. And there was this man who had been sitting there. And, and there were other people around. And Jesus came up to this man. And he asked him a very interesting question. He said, do you want to get well? It doesn't sound very Jesus-like. Do you want to get well? Now, you would think if you had been sitting there for 38 years, your response would be, yes. <laughs> but that was not his response. His response was more, I thought they put the scripture up, his response was more along the lines of, well, but I can't get there in time because there's always somebody else that goes in ahead of me and I've not been able to. You can tell I'm prophetic and I don't have a gift of mercy. <laughs> All the mercy people are like, oh, oh, we've been there 38 years. And I'm like, exactly, 38 years. Could you not elbow your way to the front in 38 years? You know it's going to, after the first couple years, you kind of figure out what's happening. I bet the water's going to stir. Okay, start strategizing. That guy's fast. I've got a year to get in front of that one. That one's coming up on the left. Get out. I'm getting to the water. Don't be British. Get to the water. 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 That's a word for somebody. Get to the water. The water's stirring. How long had he been there? 38 years. How long were they in the desert? 38 years. Don't tell me that's not a picture of the church. And what Jesus said to him was, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. In other words, get up, stop sitting on your old identity, and walk in a new one. 
Someone's got to stop sitting on that old identity and walk in one that knows who you are as a bride of Christ. Because there's an inheritance that we have and that we're going after both. And if there's a part of us that's like, oh, I don't know, oh, it sounds too much work, too much, I'm tired, that soul. And I get it. I really do. I'm, re- I'm really not trying to be mean. I'm genuinely quite a nice person. <laughs> okay? But the prophetic thing comes out in me, and I'm like, come on, guys, come on. I want to pull out who you are and make the lies of the enemy just fade to the background. Because who you are gets in the pool and knows who she is and walks fully into that inheritance. You know, this was this actually came to mind. I've been preaching this loads, and I actually hadn't thought about this until I think it was yesterday or the day before. That man who's been there for 38 years, I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, he assumed that was the only way he was going to get healed, which is why he sat there for 38 years. Well, it has to be this way. Do you realize God has a million different ways? that he can meet your needs. A million different ways. If that man truly believed and knew who Jesus was because he'd heard all of the, the, the rumors, when Jesus said, do you want to get well? I think his answer would have been, well, yes, because he knew what he would be able to do for him. Somebody needs to open up your vision to what God might want to do. How might he want to do it? Say to the Lord, Lord, no hold barred. Anything, God. Absolutely anything. And the only way we can say that in faith is when we know our identity because there's a security in that place. You will only be fully vulnerable with who you are fully trusting. Vulnerability will come out more as you trust more. Happens in relationships and it happens with the Lord. The more I push into trust, the more naked and unashamed I can be before him as they were in the Garden of Eden. That's pure, 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 pure love. That's what we're pushing into. Hmm. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 in the NIV. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Remember not. And then I was reading this a while back, and you know what jumped out at me? I am, and I will. He is an I am God, and he is an I will God. We need to stop remembering the past and start declaring, I am, I will. I am the God who provides for you. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will walk with you through that valley. I will be with you. I will send my word forth and heal you. I am, I will, I am, I will. Start looking in the scriptures. I did this once and I just sat down literally for, I think it was two minutes, maybe even one minute. And I had about 40 scriptures of what God said he will do. If I had time, I'd find it. But I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will. I will, I will, 
I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Let that minister to you. This is what I'm bringing into my new city. This is my inheritance. I have a God who says, I am and I will. I am and I will. I am and I will. Why? Because I've exchanged and taken all your rubbish and I've given you all my glory and all my righteousness. So I am and I will. And we're going to do this together. Oh, isn't that good? That is who we are, who we've been created. I was watching... Um, Oh, what's that Earth, Planet Earth program? What's his name, David? Attenborough. Yes, I love that guy. I love his voice. It just, he's, he's so opposite me. You just relax the minute he talks. <laughs> I have to remember to slow down so you're not like, <laughs> okay. And he just, you know, talks so gently. And anyway, I literally got addicted to Planet Earth on Netflix a couple of months back. I've watched them all. I needed Planet Earth 3. Because <laughs> I've watched them I, every night. I honestly, this sounds really pathetic, but I was like throughout the day, what time is it? I want to watch Planet Earth. <laughs> I sounded like a 75-year-old. Sorry if you're 75. But I was like, I just want to watch Planet Earth. Well, there was one time I was watching it. And he was talking, I don't you maybe have seen this, where he's talking about the ibis. You know, the ibis are those little those like deer that go up the mountains and they have a certain little claw foot so they can claw climb mountains easily and they just you know all the, all the way around so he's talking about the ibis i never thought about an ibis don't know anything about an ibis but i thought the lord was on this and i'm watching this and you see the little baby ibis oh this little pumpkin he's only been like birthed for about i think a day tiny cute little thing right and he's figuring out his little feet and you know and these mountains are massive he slips he's you know he has a short life okay so he's trying to figure out how to walk and so anyway then david Attenborough gets in and he says and now the baby ibis has gotten thirsty and he's going to walk down the mountain to get a drink and so you see him clambering down the mountain and there's this lake of beautiful water down there, and he's all happy, drink, 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 he's starting to make his way down. But then David Hatmer comes on, and he's like, but what he doesn't know is there's a fox nearby. And then it pans to the fox with his little ears, and he's just watching. And you know, because you never know with these programs, you're like, oh man, don't kill the ibis. Don't kill the ibis. <laughs> you can kill some things, but not the baby ibis. <laughs> Right? So it pans to the fox and the fox's ears and he's like, oh, he's all excited, right? And so he starts slithering around the enemies and making his move, you know? I'm having to watch myself so I don't fall off here. He's making his move. And the little unaware ibis is, you know, going down the little mountain to the water. And as he's approaching the water, the fox is coming this way. And I was literally going, no! No! I'm like, move! Move! And I'm, oh! And so he he went to, and he bent to get a drink, and I'm like, oh, he's such a goner, he's such a goner. And then his little ears, the little ibis ears went up, because he could sense the enemy was nearby. And then suddenly, the fox takes, and as David Attenborough does, the chase is on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I hate those words, the chase is on. All right, and so then the fox is running, and so he's like, ah! You know, and so then he starts scampering and scampering and scampering. So they're running on these rocks and all around, and he gets into a corner, because it's a cliff off the side. It's like this. Perfect. Thank you, Lord. So the little baby Ibis is like here. Fox is about over here, like dinner. So Ibis is here, and he's looking at him, and his little legs, he's only 24 hours old. I mean, talk about jumping the deep end. So he's like, huh? And he's looking, and David Attenborough says something along the lines of, you know, is it the end for the Ibis? He has nowhere to go. Dramatic pause. Or does he? 
And then he leaps onto the mountain and he takes off and he escapes the enemy because he climbs up higher. And David Attenborough says, he escaped because that's what Ibis were created to do. And the Holy Spirit, something went off. And I thought, it's going to the high places. That's what we were created to do. You are never, ever in a dead end with God. You never, ever are at a cliff edge. The enemy can bring death and God has life to hand you. He's run out of cards. Because whatever he gives, you know, when I went through this huge financial thing a few years back, and what I, I threw myself into the word of God, and I studied and studied and studied and studied finances and biblical stuff for about 30 to 40 hours a week, plus was working. But I got up very early. I cut out old television. I said, I am going to get a revelation in this area so I can use it against the enemy. He will not have the final word in this area. He hands me something. I am going to work with God to turn it around and use it against him. That's what we do because that's who we are, because that's our inheritance as children of the living God. The enemy never, ever has the last word. So imagine Joshua and Caleb. They've waited a whole generation, seen everybody they knew from that generation pass away, waiting to go into this next season. And the first thing, which we alluded to a bit ago, that they see is a wall. Welcome to your new season, a wall. But this is how I imagine them. Maybe it didn't happen, but this is what I imagine. Because remember we read how God said to Joshua, see the land that I'm going to give you. He was looking at a wall. It was a massive, huge wall, like 15 feet tall and I think 6 feet wide or something. It was a massive wall. But this is what I imagine. I imagine that Joshua is standing with Caleb. And I imagine they bent down. And I can picture him, maybe a bit like, oh, I didn't think about that till now. What's that film, Gladiator, for the boys in the room? You know Gladiator, when he picked up some dirt and he's just feeling the dirt in his hands. None of the girls have seen it. All right. Good film. A little bit violent. Anyway, I imagine them picking up the dirt. And they're feeling the dirt. I can just imagine Joshua like, ah, mate, do you remember? Do you remember? Remember 40 years ago? Do you remember that? Do you remember that day? I can remember Caleb like, yeah, I do remember. These are the only two. I can remember. He goes, yeah, do you remember the fruit? Oh, man, it was massive. Oh, I can't wait to taste that fruit. It's just on the other side of that wall. Do you remember it? It was huge. It was beyond anything we could have dreamed or imagined. This soil, do you remember? I feel it now. It's bringing back those memories. The soil feels so pure and strong and Gosh, this is going to be ours. I remember they weren't looking at the wall. They were looking at the promise. 
We can't look at the wall. We have to see the promise because our inheritance is in the promise. That's what we're going toward. That's what we're receiving. Don't let the wall stop you from remembering and thinking and meditating on what's your inheritance. Oh, my inheritance as a child of the living God. Freedom, wholeness, joy, peace. It's all in there. Gosh, I remember at the cross. It was given at the cross. I remember the day I got saved. That all became mine. I remember it. And then life happened. What's the promise? What's in the soil? What's in your soil? What is it that the Lord is reminding you of? This is your inheritance. Don't put it aside. Don't put it down. Don't pretend well or say, no, it's never going to happen. Say, I just felt like the Lord just said, call your inheritance. Sounds a bit weird, but call your inheritance in. Just no. No. In fact, there needs to be a bit of and you Brits have that? That mm, no. Think of the war. No, come on. No, we will go down fighting, you know, or whatever Winston said. Okay, you've got it in you. And it's kind of been stomped down a little bit, right? Somebody pretended to agree with me. It's kind of, yes, thank you. It's in there. Oh, come on, come on. Bring it back up again, because that's your inheritance. That's who you are. And even if you're not British, like I'm half, okay, it's still in there. You're in the soil, you're in this country, and you're in Christ. Therefore, it's in there. Whew. Okay. I don't even know why I'm looking at any of this. <laughs> what should we do? I don't even know what time I'm supposed to finish. I have no idea. Where am I at? You say, oh, are we okay? I literally have no, okay. Can, let me read this scripture, only because some, Donna, maybe somebody alluded to this, and I thought, oh, yes, it was when Donna was talking. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. This is out of the Message Bible. It's brilliant. When God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. Putting his own reputation on the line, he said, I promise. This is inheritance, people. I promise I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and he got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them. So that if there's any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A solid rock. A rock solid guarantee. God cannot break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Verse 18, we who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post 
as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Let me read two other scriptures. Scriptures just, I just love scripture. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45. This is now toward the end of Joshua's life. They've come in, they've kicked out the enemies. That's the whole part of the preaching I didn't get to. They've kicked out the enemies. Faced the wall, kicked out the enemies. Received the promise. Joshua chapter 21, verse 45. Not one word, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Lastly, Joshua 23, verse 14. Some of his last words. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your heart and your soul, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass. Not one of them has failed. 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 Not one. Doubt has made you think it. Fear has made you feel it. Not one of them has failed. God says, when I set out to do something, I'm not moved by what the enemy does. I move the enemy out. That's who God is. But if we are running around, chasing the enemy, hiding from, in fear of, terror by, then the Lord, because of his great, tremendous love and compassion, looks toward us to guard us, to keep us, to help us, to surround us. I'm going to put that on hold. This is more important right now. And that's okay. If that's where you find yourself, if that's where you found yourself, we all have been there. That's okay. It's okay to say, Lord, I couldn't, I didn't. It's okay. Please hear me. It's okay. God's love is so all-consuming. He says, you're more of a priority to me than anything else. I feel its heart right now. You're more of a I feel that there are some people, there have been promises and things, and whether they haven't happened, or and you feel that maybe you're part of that reason, I just feel a tremendous compassion from the Lord right now, <coughs> saying, do you not think I can work all things together for good still? I'm brilliant at that. It's one of my specialties. But right now, I'm more concerned about you. Because I want you whole and complete and lacking in nothing. And in order for that to happen, we need to let go of some things here. Stop beating yourself up. Stop tearing yourself down. I created you. I created you as you are. I created you with the gifts that you have. And I have plans and purposes for you, says the Lord, that are beyond, still beyond what you can dream or even imagine. But right now, I feel that there needs... Let's just close our eyes. 
I just feel it. There just needs to be some heart surgery, some tiny. I feel actually what I see the Lord doing is just almost sewing up something. It's like some surgery has been done. I feel like maybe you've gone through a season where some surgery has happened and he's still finishing. He's saying, don't climb off the table yet. I'm just finishing up a few details here. He's just sewing it up. He's just perfecting it. But there's a fear of when I get off the table, is it going to happen again? Will it look like that same thing again? And I just sense the Lord putting his hand on you right now, his presence on you. And he's saying, be still, my child, be still. And know, I am God. Be still. And know, I am God. I would never put you in a place that I knew you could not walk through. Because we walk through valleys together. I was with you. I will be with you. Be still. And know that I am God. Father, in this place, Ask Holy Spirit that you would just begin to minister. You begin to minister your love, your grace, your peace. I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that you're tying up some bits today. You're cleaning up that wound a little bit. It wasn't like deep, deep surgery. It was a cleaning up and a preparing. And just as a broken bone is stronger once it's been set, the Lord is saying, so are you. So are you. Father, in this place, I feel like you're going to give new gifts or new tools, a new something. And whether you do it physically or whether you do it in your heart, if you want to, hold your hand out to him and just say, yes, Lord. Give me something for this next season. Give me what I need for this next season. And I feel I can see him doing the surgery, and I just felt like he said, I'm tying it up with a bow. <laughs> now, most surgeons wouldn't use a bow. He's tying it up with a bow. Because actually, it's a gift. And I feel for some, you're going to actually realize this season, as hard as it was, the Lord is going to turn it around as a gift. I don't know why I've never had children. I can't tell you the depth of the pain that it has caused me. There literally are no words. But I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I feel that I've been given a gift. I've been given a gift in my relationship with the Lord. I've been given a gift because I understand disappointment to a very deep level. And yet I also understand the grace and the goodness of God. Oh, I've been given a gift. I've been given a gift because I can use it against the enemy. And I can say, you will not hold this over me any longer. It is finished. And for some of you, God's saying today, I've given you a gift. And I want you to hold it before the enemy. And I want you to say, it is finished in this place. 
and in place. The Lord is, I just see this, again, we're talking about the bride. I see this veil. And that beautiful moment in the ceremony when the husband lifts the veil of his new bride. Knowing that she is his and he is hers. And it's this beautiful, almost you don't want to watch, intimate moment. And he's saying to you, you're my bride. You are this church. You are my bride. And we're going into this next season together. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.